0: Decision-making is a region of intense study in the field of neuroscience, and it is also a study in cognitive neuroscience. Several brain structures, including the anterior cingulate cortex, the frontal cortex, and the overlapping ventromedial prefrontal cortex, are believed to be involved in the decision-making process. A neuroimaging study found distinctive patterns of neural activation in these regions, depending on whether decisions were made because of perceived personal will or someone else's instructions. Interestingly though, patients with ventomedical prefrontal cortex damage have difficulty making beneficial decisions for themselves. I've always wondered why people make decisions in the way they do, including me and you. Can you think of a moment when you had the chance to change your life or someone else's, but you didn't? Could there be somebody alive today had they taken alternative decisions? Indeed, are there people who are alive today because they simply slept in that morning? Decisions, decisions, decisions. Or is everything else just fate? Or is it luck, good and bad? History is all sorts of things. A lot of people love to dabble in the what-ifs of history. You know, what if Buddhism never got off the ground? Or what if Pope Urban II never ordered the Crusades? Or what if Adolf Hitler died during World War I? Those what-ifs, the what-aboutisms of history. But history also concerns us about decisions. Decisions that people made. Decisions generals made to win or lose a war. A decision a ruler took to completely mess something up. Will it always have been a mess? Or did that decision make it a mess? Some of the biggest calamities of history were actual decisions people made. In just the first half of the 1900s, those two world wars saw so many battles, including dropping of two atomic bombs, firebomb cities, trench warfare, concentration camps, among, you know, the big, huge, enormous battles. Do people decide stuff on the fly? As we are all just humans, do we all decide things and just hope for the best? The British in Afghanistan, that was a mess. The Soviets in Afghanistan, what a disaster. And the Americans in Afghanistan, oh, what a catastrophe. That, by the way, was a third time. Did anyone pay attention beforehand? Each one was ultimately a decision, a decision to go in. Then there were decisions in the battlefield, on the ground, once these three armies were on Afghan soils. These were all decisions. So many things are decisions. Yet, so many things are fate or luck. Or maybe things are just destined to happen. As we look at broad swathes of history, you know how things will pan out. You know while studying the origins of the Roman Republic, that yes, it will become an empire in a few centuries, and that empire will lose its western half a few centuries after that. The empire will eventually fall when Constantinople falls in 1453. We know that lifespan. Contemporaries don't know. We know looking back. All they know is their current and their past. They make decisions to shape their present and future. We, by looking back, can convert those decisions into history books and then review them. It's kind of unfair, don't you think? Look at your today. You make decisions about work. Decisions are made for you by your company or your government. No one knows the implications, but decisions are taken, whether good or bad, aren't they? Was the Third, or Hannibal or Masamusa Musa II any different from you or I? Take Napoleon's decision to invade Russia. It was a strategic decision. That decision was executed on, both by him and by others. Because you see, a decision is made and it must be carried out. If you are me, chances are the decision maker myself carries out the actions of the decision itself. If, however, you happen to be Napoleon, on the other hand, or anyone else with authority, you tell others to execute the plan for you. They may have their own underlings, who may have their own sidekicks. The command chain can go deep. Those who are actually executing on your plan may also be deciding how to execute on it, yet adding more decision-makers in the process. In short, all throughout human history, decisions are taken, though they are meaningless unless it is carried out. Okay, so got it so far? So I'm going to confuse a little bit more, just a little bit more confusion. Decisions don't happen in vacuums. Do you believe in fate and destiny? Or free will? Or status? Are humans rational or are we deluded? You see, fate and destiny are actually the same things. Fate defines events as ordered or inevitable, unavoidable. This is a concept based on the belief that there is a fixed natural order to the universe. And in some ways, the entire cosmos. Fate is about the present, where every decision an individual has made has led them to their present scenario. However, destiny is the future scenario, which cannot be determined by decisions an individual can take. The part fate and destiny play in the human narrative and ultimately in our decision-making is immense. Was Churchill destined to be a great leader? Was Gandhi's freedom movement destined to succeed? Is it fate that the Emperor Constantine was so inspired by Christianity? Maybe fate and destiny can only be used with hindsight. Louis XVI was destined to be a great king. But fate had other ideas. Of course, no one in 1784 thought that France would be in a revolution in just another five or six years. When making decisions, the bigger you are, the more the idea of fate and destiny, inverted commas, weigh on your mind. Your decision could make or break Your legacy. A decision like, well, let's invade Russia in the winter, or let's invade Afghanistan again, are destined to fail. Destined, or are they? Those intervening often think otherwise, until, of course, reality bites. Let's look at free will. I actually did an episode on free will back in episode 5. So I'll summarize it for you. In short, in my humble view, you and I, or anyone, has no free will. Yes, no one has free will. Even me saying we don't have free will is because I don't have free will. Mm. We have the illusion that we may have free will, but... You and, of course, me are shaped by society, our upbringing, culture, and other environmental and biological norms. Even world leaders are bound by their own norms, their culture, their language. If they are educated, they may be bound and entrapped by that education. What free will did Stalin have or Nicholas II or Vladimir Putin or Catherine the Great have? They were and are bound by their own circumstances. Someone's eternal desire to declare war, invade another country or create something is shaped by too many factors that result in the personality known as you. In history, when you look at someone's actions, maybe it's the Emperor Justinian or Basil II, they all, all of them, had their own freedoms limited. If nothing else, everyone has limited wealth and limited knowledge. Always assume when researching history that every single person, even currently active so-called leaders, have no or extremely limited free will. What then is status or social status? Social status is the level of social value a person is considered to hold, more specifically, it refers to the relative level of respect, honor, assumed competence, and deference accorded to people, groups, and organizations in any society. Status is determined by the possession of a number of characteristics culturally believed to indicate superiority or inferiority. Thus, people use status hierarchies to allocate resources, leadership positions, and other forms of power. Status hierarchies seem pretty universal in human society, providing valuable benefits to those who occupy higher levels, such as better health, social approval, resources, influence, and freedom. The German sociologist Max Weber outlined three aspects of stratification in a society, that of class, status, and power. In his scheme, which remains influential today, people possess status in the sense of honor because they belong to specific groups with unique lifestyles. Whether formal or informal, status hierarchies are present in all societies. Does it matter where you live? On this crazy planet, you are part of some kind of status. In a society, the relative honor and prestige accorded to individuals depends on how well an individual is perceived to match a society's values and ideals, such as being pious or something like that. Status often comes with attendant rights, duties, and lifestyle practices. Status is important. I can't state this often enough. It's important to you and me, but it's even more important to so-called leaders. Many decision makers, such as rulers, leaders, or others, such as CEOs, have status. Removal or the threat of detraction from that status is very harmful. Moving from a three-bed apartment to a one-bed is a move down in status. Unless that one-bed is in the middle of Paris with the best view in town, that is a move down. A lot of the big-picture decision-makers, like Churchill, had inherited, then earned status. Some are just born into status. Others, like, say, Justinian and Theodora, own status. Ultimately, those who see themselves as upwardly mobile or have a higher status have a lot to lose without that status. When taking decisions, their own status is front and center of their decisioning. You know that Queen song, that Queen and David Bowie song called Under Pressure from 1980? It's great give it a listen now wait why did i just say that it's totally out of context and it's bizarre it's not rational rational rationality is the quality or state of being rational that is being based on or agreeable to reason what then is rational behavior in the stock market it is buy low and sell high yet so many of us sell low and by high. It's totally irrational. Yet we do that. Why on earth would you do something as irrational as start a nuclear war? Isn't it completely irrational? Of course it is irrational, yet there have been ample near-misses of nuclear catastrophe since World War Two. Keep in mind, humans did start a couple of world wars, They also did mess up their own irrigation systems to cause famine in many parts of the world. And worse, they keep taking irrational decisions in the face of obvious evidence against it. Remember, it should not be any surprise when someone decides to do something completely irrational because often humans make irrational decisions all by themselves. Reason, on the other hand, is the capacity of consciously applying logic by drawing conclusions from new or existing information with the aim of seeking the truth. How much reason do you use when in a tight situation with limited knowledge and limited resources? If you're surrounded by enemies, you don't care a bit about reason. You will do whatever it takes to save yourself. Screw the truth. But then again, what on earth is truth. Well, truth is the property of being in accord with fact or reality. A fact is an occurrence in the real world. The usual test for a statement of fact is the ability to verify that statement. That is whether it can be demonstrated to be corresponding to some kind of experience by someone somewhere. In history, as in the current world, The present world, most things are not able to be verified. If you think we live in a post truth world, then you need to understand we never were in a pre truth world. Facts and truths are myths, and especially so in history. Rationality, reason, truth, and facts are words that are supposed to indicate one thing reality. Reality is the sum or aggregate of all that is real or existent within a system, as opposed to which is only imaginary. The term is also used to refer to the societal relations of things, indicating their existence. In physical terms, reality is the totality of a system, known and unknown. Reality is what we all operate in even in history, but it is the one thing that needs to be mentally distorted to succeed in life. In decision-making, you need to be clear-minded and sober enough to know truth, facts, reason, and be rational when making decisions. In real terms, of course, but genius enough to twist that narrative, to twist the facts, to fit your own agenda and we all do this, and we all have to do this to survive. That leads me on to the final factor that I think impacts decision-making, and that is delusion. A delusion is a fixed belief that is not compliant to change in the light of conflicting evidence. It is considered, actually, by most people, a mental health issue. Delusions have been found to occur in the context of, of many pathological states, and are of diagnostic importance in psychotic disorders, including schizophrenia, paraphania, manic episodes of bipolar disorder, and psychotic depression. But many decision makers have been, through history, deluded, as are people and leaders of your today. Delusions of grandeur is a term you may have come across. Diagnostic criteria for delusional disorders, grandiose-type symptoms, include exaggerated beliefs of self-worth, power, knowledge, identity, and relationship to deities or famous people. I want to be clear again. Delusions are a mental health condition. Seek help if you have it. But so many human so-called leaders have this delusion. Why? because without it, you can't even make the cut to be leader. You're faking it until you're making it and carrying the rest of us along with you. We, the rest of us, are insane enough to follow the deluded. Think about it. Self-worth? Your political so-called masters are full of self-worth. Power? Check. Knowledge? Oh yeah. If they don't, Think they have enough knowledge, they will spy on their own people and others until they have the knowledge they need for their own success and their survival. Identity? Absolutely. Do you know who I am? I'm the CEO. I'm a prince. I'm the president. I'm someone. I'm more important than others. I have an identity and you should know it. Or you would better know it. Finally, there is this concept of relationship to someone famous or a deity such as God or something like that. Well, you could be the child of so-and-so, a preacher, or someone linked to a celebrity. In the modern era, leaders like, say, Obama, seek and cultivate their own celebrity status. When you look at important historical figures, even one you idolize, all of them are, in my view, Deluded. Why? Because they need to be. Why? Because only the most insane would willingly do those kind of jobs. Or unless you're just thrust on it by birth or you randomly become a dictator by mistake. But wait, there's one more important factor in decision making, and that is emotion. You see, emotion appears able to aid the decision making process. Decision making often occurs in the face of uncertainty about whether one's choices will lead to benefit or harm. A lot, and I made mean a lot of decisions, are taken based on gut, a feeling, an emotion. How one feels that morning determines your decisions that day. Alexander the Great wasn't that much different to you or I, nor was Margaret Thatcher. So I've gone through some factors that might influence decision makers. But what about making crafty strategic decisions? What made Alexander the Great great? Great. Why? Because they did strategy well. They had a natural brain model for what is known among clever people as game theory. Listen for the next few minutes and know a bit about game theory. And join the clever people's group. Game theory is a study of mathematical models of strategic interaction among rational decision makers. We already defined rational behavior, and I indicated we all actually make irrational decisions, but then again, game theory has applications in all fields of social science, as well as logic system science as well as computer science. Initially, it dealt with zero-sum games in which the gains or losses of each participant are exactly balanced by those of the other participants. In modern times, game theory applies to a wide range of behavioral relationships and is now a rather generic term for what you could call logical decision making. When we stop to look at history and some of the major historical decisions and actions, I wonder if it's even possible to apply rational game theory to it. When the Emperor Ashoka conquered Kalinga, i.e. modern Orissa, and systematically butchered its inhabitants, was that rational decision-making right there? No, or yes. Was it an emotion-driven event based on delusions and status? Yes or no? By the way, soon after that butchery, the very same Emperor Ashoka seemed to become a semi-partial pacifist after learning about the teachings of the Buddha, who, by the way, was around at the time in his empire. Was that rational? We can't get into his brain, but we can get into your brain because you are your brain. What can we learn from decision-makers from history? How do we make good decisions? Well, first, know your limits when making decisions. Your knowledge is limited and so are your resources. Resources includes things like money and, above all, it includes time. Then, knowing that you do not have real freedom or real free will, that constrains you. For important decisions such as investments, job choices, and healthcare, you are tied to your biological and environmental limits. You are also tied to status. It's painful if you take a decision on a new investment, such as a property, all because someone you know moved into a bigger, better property and you've got to match it. Worse still is when you might have to downsize mid career. That's hard. Going down in status, that's rough. Don't forget, we are, in addition to all that, irrational beings. Game theory, maths aside, know that you make what you think are rational decisions. Maybe totally false. They may be completely irrational. All the evidence, commentary, and data shows something else. But you, ultimately, do the worst thing possible. I call it the invasion of Iraq trick. Also know that we silly humans are often deluded about ourselves, often falling into extremes of I am great, look at me, versus I am an idiot, doesn't, don't look at me, does not look at me, don't look at me. Both delusions. Your decisions are factored on that. Then there is emotion. Since humans are supposed to be emotional animals, we do things on the fly, constantly winging it or making it up on the spot to move on to the next thing. So much of your decision making is emotional. You just don't know it. When you or I make a decision, that's exactly how everyone else you know also makes decisions. That's how your current business and political masters take decisions. That is just how historical figures made decisions for thousands and thousands of years. Don't be deluded into illogically thinking that someone's status or so-called destiny gives them an edge. Because ultimately, it doesn't. You have an edge as long as you know what's impacting your decisions. And with that, I henceforth decide to wrap up this podcast episode. Thank you so much very much.